presents on Christmas Eve and you'll bring a neighbor or a colleague or a friend and they will hear the good news that the Son of God has come into the world. We have uh, all kinds of Christmas parties. Our youth group is having their Christmas party soon. Again, this afternoon at my home, all the gentlemen of the church are invited to come. I understand that Carl is bringing a ham and Mike Louie is bringing fried chicken and and Mark is bringing buffalo wings, and I'm making, of course, my world-famous meatballs, and, uh, and Elias is bringing a big salad, and Warren is bringing some of Dorothea's great desserts. So I hope you'll come and, uh, from 4 to 7 that we can have good fellowship together. Now I turn your attention one more time to Luke chapter 2. We've already read through all of verses 8 through 20, and then we have sung about four hymns that have paraphrased and captured for us this very familiar passage. And if you would open your Bibles there or look on the back of your sermon outline, I will then be referring to this passage again and again together. But I will read verses 10 through 14, one more time, and the angel said to the shepherds, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And all over the globe, as Christmas approaches, we love to come back to this passage. And you can see the shepherds shivering on a cold night keeping watch over their flocks in the darkness. And suddenly, the glory of the Lord brings light, and an angel appears and speaks to them good news of great joy. This magnificent announcement that the world is forever changed is brought not to presidents, not to kings, not to uh, poets, not to scholars, not to rock stars, but to shepherds. And if you know, if you know the Middle East and especially ancient history in the Middle East, you know that shepherds were low on the social ladder. On the social totem pole, shepherds were considered untrustworthy. Shepherds were often ceremonially unclean, and shepherds were often hygienically unclean. They were not the most desirable company, but it is beautiful and so encouraging to me, and I hope today, just for a moment, you think, what does it mean that the lowliest, the humblest, Those with the dirty jobs are the ones that God sent his glorious angel to address first with the good news. What does that mean? It means, friends, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not beneath anybody. It's not beneath 
anybody. Be encouraged today. For to you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Whoever you are, whatever background you have, no matter what you've done, the gospel of Jesus Christ is for you. We believe that in this church. And whoever you meet, whoever crosses your path, no matter what their personal history, the gospel of Jesus Christ is for them. And the shepherds become for us, and we're going to actually spend two weeks in this passage, but the shepherds become for us really a, a picture, or you could call it a prototype of every Christian experience. The shepherds are a picture of us, our experience. And, and if you uh, will look with me, you'll see just four quick points that I'd like us to uh, think about today. The first, do you hear what the shepherds hear? Number two, will you go like the shepherds and see the glory of Christ and the glory that is yours in Jesus Christ? Will you, like the shepherds, sing and praise the glorious one who's come into this world? And will you sing about Christ's glory? And number four, will you ponder these things like Mary and the shepherds and ask yourself, what does this mean for my life? The shepherds appear to these shepherds and they tell the world today. The world has changed. Today. And just to underscore the word today, I want you to know you will meet people who will suggest that these are myths, these are fables, these are made up stories. But we believe, just as sure as the angel said today, that the Son of God entered space and time, that this is a historical event accurately recorded for us by the Holy Spirit in the sacred pages of Scripture. And it is certainly, in terms of ancient history, one of the best attested to events that the world has ever known. So it's real, okay? It's not made up. Today, in space and time, Jesus came and the baby was born. But as you know, we don't just have facts in the Bible, right? You don't just have facts. You have to ask, what do these facts mean? And the Bible tells us what they mean. That is to say, we get from God the interpretation of the event. It starts just with these shepherds who are, who, who are given the explanation and interpretation of the birth of this baby. And it's more than just... Mom made a delivery in a stable, okay? We're given the interpretation of the facts, and, and, in, and the shepherds didn't have the whole New Testament, but we do. We have the Old Testament prophecies pointing forward. We have the New Testament explanation pointing backward, and two verses for you, if you're not familiar with them, two verses from the Bible, Galatians 4, 4 through and 5. The Bible tells us there that when the time had fully come, when was that? The day that the angel said today. When the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. That's what the Bible says. It explains to us this marvelous event 
that took place 2,100 years ago. And John chapter 3, verse 16, that many people don't consider a Christmas verse, but it's obviously a Christmas verse, isn't it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but will have everlasting life. And on that day, the gift was given to the world. Jesus Christ was born. When the angel brought the message, he spoke not just to the mind, but he spoke to the emotions and the hearts of these shepherds and to us. And every Christmas card I seem to get seems to have one of two words on it, or both words. What are those words? Joy and peace. Joy and peace. And we are taught one more time, just as Nehemiah was taught, but now it, it, is, it explodes over the Palestinian landside, landscape that night, a message of great joy. Joy is to be the Christian's right to have joy. Do you have the joy of the Lord as your strength? This is what the angels told the shepherds was for them, joy. And I know that life is often hard, Life is hard. And I know that we get anxious, and there is anxiety traveling along right behind us. But the message of the angels says that with the coming of Jesus Christ, there is joy and peace for those who trust in him. And what is that signature verse of our congregation when I love to give the benediction at the end of the worship service? What do we say? Now may the God of hope fill you with all what? What? Joy and peace as you trust in him. Not just at Christmas, but every day of your life. I know you have trials. I know that there are tribulations. I know that there is suffering and there is bitterness often that surrounds us. And yet, and yet for the Christian, this is your birthright, your new birthright, joy and peace as you trust in him. I, I was very struck this week as I've been watching a documentary series on television entitled Time of Death. It's a remarkable six-part series that follows eight or nine families through the death of someone in their family who has congestive heart failure or breast cancer or ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And it's not pretty. And these families are largely, they're pretty secular. They are really a picture of secular America coping with the great enemy of death. And many of these families are dysfunctional. And it is an unhappy time. It's very stressful for them. And, and you see people, they're regretting what's happened in their lives past. And, and you sense great struggle. And there's, of course, physical pain and sickness that attends each of these situations. But there's one. a 63-year-old woman named Lara Kovarek. And if anybody has reason to say, nobody knows the trouble I've seen, she does. 
We meet her lying on her bed. It's on a mattress in an apartment. She doesn't even have any sheets. She lost her job when she got sick. She lost her health insurance when she got sick. She was told she has stage four breast cancer and the doctor said, your time is short. And indeed, her time was short. She had to leave, so they showed her packing and her adult daughter came to take her to her sister's home from Long Beach, California to Colorado where her sister said, you can come and die in our home. She has no money, she has no home. She has no job. She has no sense of dignity at all. She's struggling. She's in pain, but the daughter is going to take her, and we follow her road trip to Colorado. They want to see the Grand Canyon, but she really feels too sick. But the daughter gets to see the Grand Canyon. And you know what she wants for a little, just a little sweetness in her life. She says, my dad used to buy a soft serve ice cream. And so the high point was a stop at Dairy Queen where her daughter brought her a cone. All these documentary pictures, they're very secular. There's hardly any reference to religion at all. But as they're, as they're moving through Lara Kovarek's uh, final journey, suddenly, for about 12 seconds, she simply says... I know that there's a day appointed me to die, and I will die on that day because I read it in the scriptures. And there's something about this woman, Laura. She never complains, and she's always smiling. And in about a five-second piece, the daughter says, and in conversation, she says, and I know that my mother's going to Jesus, and she'll be with him in heaven. And over about a three-second span, there's one spot where Laura says, I know I'm going to heaven. And then there's 15 seconds where she says, when people remember me, I hope they remember me as a blessing and that I didn't whine or complain. And I'm sitting there thinking, if anybody has reason to say no one knows the trouble I've seen. It's Laura Kovarek. But she smiles and she blesses wherever she goes. Why? Because she has joy and peace as she trusts in him. It shines. It just shines to me. This was the message to the angels. Do you have joy and peace? Jesus gives you joy and peace as you trust in him. And this leads, then, you see, to that second point, because the source of the joy and peace is not some sort of internal uh, moral pick-me-up. It's, it's not a what. The source of the joy and the peace is a who. And who is the jo- source of joy and peace? It's the one that the shepherds go to study. And this is our second point here. What we find out is it says... And they moved with haste to go see him. And don't you love this? They didn't sit back and say, well, if it gets convenient, we'll, we'll, we'll study him. 
<laughs> they look at each other and they say, let's go, let's go. And there is a holy energy because God has spoken to them and they respond and say, we want to learn more and see this is your journey. This is your story. You who are trophies of God's grace. He came, he touched you, he spoke to you. His word suddenly made sense to you and you became interested and you were summoned. You just felt the inexorable pull, the, magne the magnetic draw of God uh, toward himself in your life. You couldn't help yourself and in haste, suddenly it mattered to you. You know, in a couple of weeks, we have what we do every year in this church. We have our time of explorations. We call it explorations. And we have Christianity Explored, right? And some of you have been through Christianity Explored, and then we have a second level of explorations where we go deeper and deeper into studying Jesus Christ. And in just a few weeks, we're going to say all to all the small groups and to all of you, let's come together on these Friday nights. Let's explore. And you, with haste, you see, we're going to study Jesus together. And what, what, what better thing to study? Paul said, remember, I, I, I have to tell you my life verse, that 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2, I shared with you a few weeks ago. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Here's the great apostle Paul, the church planter, the, the tent maker, the scholar, uh, the man who travels the world, the busiest person, like a one-armed paper hanger, always active, always busy. But you know, it's not about doing for him. It's all about knowing Jesus Christ. Knowing Christ and him crucified. The cross, he needs to know the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. And so, the shepherds hear. Do you hear? Do you hear? The glorious news, for unto you in the city of David is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A Savior. Is he your Savior? Old Simeon, he knew Christ was the Savior. Zechariah was told, for he shall save his people from their sins. Isaiah told us that upon him would be laid the iniquity of us all. He is our Savior. Is he your Savior? And the shepherds go to discover this one who is to be the Savior of the world. And then he is called the Christ. Now, I've told you before, but do you remember? Christ is not his last name. Right? There's John Smith, you know, and and Peter Abramson, and, you know, Jesus Christ, right? That's his last name. Wrong. Christ is the Greek word for the Hebrew word Messiah. He is the Messiah, the long-awaited one who comes from what royal line? Whose royal line? Who is he a descendant of? David, and the shepherd reminds them from the house of David, in the city of David, there's the clue. Suddenly their hearts leap from the city of David is the one, the anointed one, the Messiah. Who are the anointed ones in the Old Testament? What would they think about? The prophets. For the prophets were set apart and anointed with oil to speak the word of God. Who is anointed? The priest. The priest 
who makes the sacrifice for the sins of the people and who stands and prays as a mediator between God and man. The priest is the anointed one. Who is the anointed one in the Old Testament? The king. The king who is set apart to rule and reign in justice and righteousness. The one to be obeyed. The one to follow hard after the king. Prophet, priest, and king is the anointed one, the Messiah. And the angel says, here he is. A savior who is Messiah, the Lord. The Lord, our master, our leader, our captain, our king, our rabbi, our teacher, our priest, our prophet. And on his thigh is written the name. What is that name that is on the thigh of the risen and transfigured and glorified Christ? He is called King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and he shall reign forever and ever. Make haste. Will you make haste? Will you get excited? Will you be eager to study him? You know what it'll look like for some of us? For some of us, it just means that we're going to turn off the TV. We're going to turn off the TV. We're going to turn off the computer. We're going to open our Bibles. We're going to read the Gospel of Matthew or the Gospel of John or the Gospel of Mark. We're going to read the letters of Paul and the letters of Peter. We're going to read the Psalms. We're going to read Isaiah. We're going to learn the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Make haste. Make haste. Go see the one of glory. And then you see, after they meet Christ, after they go, they interpret what the angels told them. They see the child. They have a great party with Mary and Joseph there. And then it says they return. And this is point three. Something happens. You see, what happens is they are changed, and we are changed. They are changed, and we are changed. And the shepherds do two things that we see here in this text. And there'll be more on this next week. But the shepherds do two things. They worship and they witness. It's beautiful. It's such a clear, pristine picture of each of us. When you encounter Jesus Christ, when God invades your life and your world, you become two things. You become a worshiper and you become a witness for him. And that's what they do. It's really beautiful. Now, uh, next week we'll just take apart the angels' worship, but heaven, heaven is opened. The veil is parted, and heaven is seen, and what you see are the highest and holiest, mightiest, most beautiful created beings in the universe, angels, worshiping. Almighty God for his gift to the world. And then down in verse 20, you see shepherds, dirty, unclean, disliked, outcast, worshiping God and praising God. Same words, the highest and the lowest, worshiping God. So do we, so do we. Are you a worshiper? Do you know how? 
not just with your lips, but with your heart, to give him glory. An extraordinary thing happened Wednesday night at our prayer meeting. At our prayer meeting Wednesday night, you know what we usually do is we begin with a season of praise to God and we, we, we fix our eyes on something about the character of God and the, the promises of God and the work of God and we praise Him for a season and then we move forward and we pray through the whole congregation, right? We should. We pray for the leadership and we pray for the children. We pray for the college students. We pray for the businessmen and businesswomen and the teachers and the nurses and the doctors and, 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 the, and we pray for the sick. But on Wednesday night... We began with a season of praise, and it just didn't stop. 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and one person after another just praising God, worshiping God, glorifying God. And I just sat there, everybody's eyes are closed, you know, and I just sat there with this big grin. We couldn't stop. And it was just a gift to us, it was just a sweet kiss from God. I have to tell you, if, if you would say, I wish I could learn how to be more of a worshiper, just a very practical thing you could do is come and join us on Wednesday nights at the prayer meeting because we're beggars learning how to worship God. We're shepherds learning how to worship God, but come join us and learn personal worship of the Lord. Lay hold of Him and praise and glorify God in your heart and with your mouth and with your mind and with your hands. They become worshipers and then they become witnesses. And you know what? This is extraordinary. They are the prototype of the church of Jesus Christ. They and Mary there because now they start talking about Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus. And they make no, what they learned they tell to others. Did you catch that? What they heard given to them by divine inspiration, given to others. And then it says they returned. And I love that it says that because, you see, you're going to leave this room in a couple of minutes and then hopefully have some cake and bagels downstairs, but then you're going to return. And you're going to return to where you live and where you work, and where you play, you're going to return. And you're going to go with a message. And that message is for you to glorify and to praise your Savior and to spread the good news in that web of relationships that God has given you. You see, the shepherds returned back to their web of relationships. And they were his witness. The last words that Jesus had before he ascended into heaven, Acts 1.8, you remember that? but you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so the last point, Mary sets the pace for us here as the shepherds are clearly treasuring, treasuring and pondering these things. We read in verse 19 that Mary pondered and treasured all these things. And we see this is not a one-time event for Mary because she is such a, a, a great example for us to follow because we're told later on when Jesus is a, is a teenager, right? He that, makes that trip to the temple and they can't find him for a few days and then they finally find him and, and everyone is speaking wonderfully of him and one more time it says in verse 51, 
And Mary treasured these things in her heart. She ruminates this night that this child is born. She wonders, what kind of man will he be? What will he do? What will he be like? And she is about to find out. She treasures him. Oh, friends, we have so much to treasure, don't we? We treasure our homes, and we treasure certainly our children. We treasure our jobs. We treasure our money. They are our, we, that's our treasure. These are treasures. There are many treasures in life, but what do you treasure most? This is the question. And if it's not Jesus Christ... It's not Jesus Christ, then perhaps you haven't really heard the message of the angels. Because the angels say to the shepherds, Unto you is born. This will be a sign for you. And it's very personal. And maybe you'd say, Yeah, yeah, I'm interested in religion, but I'd never, never knew that he loved me, that he loves me, that he's for me, that I am particularly his. Do you know that, my friend? Do you understand this? To you is born this day. This is a sign for you. Oh, sure, all of us can sing joy to the world, the Lord is come, let earth receive her king. But it's almost depressing unless you understand he's your joy, he's your king, he's your savior. Do you know him as your savior, as your Messiah, as your Lord? Today I want to give you an opportunity in the quietness of your heart to affirm this one more time in your life. Would you bow your head with me? And uh, would you join the shepherds from 2,000 plus years ago and celebrate with them this one who has come? This gift you tell us, our Heavenly Father, this gift is for you. And maybe there, there is someone here today who would say, you know what, that really speaks to my heart. I have never personally acknowledged Jesus Christ as my Lord, my Savior, my Messiah, and I'm ready to do that today. If that's you, I invite you simply to pray, O Lord Jesus Christ, today you are my Lord, and I confess my sins. I have needed a Savior, and today I understand that you were born to die on the cross for me. And I receive you, and I acknowledge you, and I join, not just with my lips, but with my heart, to worship you this day. And if you've prayed that, you've joined the rest of us, feeble Christians, saying we too want to join the shepherd to sing with the choirs of angels glory to God in the highest. Amen. Let's stand.